0: Well, it is well. We say that in that song over and over, and they're powerful words, right? It is well. It is well. Um, if you ever uh, have the chance to look into the story of that song, it's a powerful, powerful story of uh, of overcoming. Uh, we won't go into that tonight, but um, it's a song with a powerful backstory that goes into those words. It is well. It is well with my soul. Um, And that's what we try to say to ourselves, right? It is well. It is well. Everything's good. I'm all good, right? When we we greet each other, right? That's what we do. It's not necessarily a bad thing, right? But it's what we do, you know? Hey, how are you? I'm good. I'm fine. It is well with my soul, right? (laughs) Um, we kind of implicitly or explicitly say that um, all the time, right? It's just our social convention. It's not, not necessarily you know, like good or bad, just what we do. Um, we say it is well. And why do we do that? Um, I mean, I hope that, I hope that a lot of the times, so I hope that even most of the time or all of the time with you, yes, that that is actually true. It is well. It is good. Life is great. Um, things are fantastic. I feel great. I am happy. I am not exhausted or tired from being up since Friday morning uh, constantly. Um, but no, uh, things, things are good. Um, but I, I, you know, so I hope that that's true. And we even have uh, things like uh, in our Christianese, right? And and Christianese is not always a bad thing, but it's just kind of the language that we speak, um, the the ideas that we use a lot, or that we go to, or that we f- draw uh, a lot of things from. We have uh, we have scriptures that we go to a lot, like in Galatians, right? The fruit of the spirit, and then and what we say with this is the fruit of the spirit is kind of the measure of uh, how the Spirit of God is working in your life. If the Spirit of God is working in your life, then it produces these kinds of things. And, and Paul says that that's stuff like lo- love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, um, and self-control, right? And so we find in that, uh, you know, like the word joy, right? If you if the, the Spirit of God is in you, you will be a joyous person, Right? And we want to build that kind of into our culture, don't we? Where we want to be a happy people. Right? We want the world to see Christians and see happy people. Well, it's a good thing, isn't it? I mean, especially if joy is the fruit of the Spirit. Right? Maybe we should be seeing that. Maybe that's maybe there's right. That's right. Okay? So we have other things like Romans 15. May the God of hope fill you with all all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And what a beautiful picture that draws too, right? That if you are trusting in God, if you give yourself to God, if you are a good Christian, then you will overflow with joy and peace, right? The power of the Holy Spirit. Well, that's a good thing too, isn't it? I hope it's a good thing. I hope we want that to be a good thing. But here we are with all of your efforts to trust in God, to follow Jesus, to open yourself to the Spirit. For some reason, you feel a sense of hopelessness. You wake up with it. It hits you. and weighs on you. It pulls at some deep part of you. despite all of your efforts to be a good Christian so that everything is well with my soul, I'm good, I'm happy. You can't help but feel overwhelmed and wonder if there's any purpose to what you're doing. Not just in your faith, but just in your life. What am I doing? Sometimes, or even a lot of times, you don't even want to face the day. Because why? Why should I? Sometimes you you feel like there's something wrong with you. You don't really know how to describe it. You don't really know what to do with it. But you know how real it is. And what's more, because it's so hard to describe, you don't really want to admit it. It's hard enough to admit to yourself. And it's just impossible to to talk about that with anybody else. Because you'd be weak if you did that. It'd reveal your weakness. It'd reveal this thing that's wrong with you. And you don't know what to do with that, and why would you even want anybody else to have to deal with that? Despite all of this the reasons to be happy, to have joy, to be someone of love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You simply carry around with you a feeling of sadness. And it's there. Now, if that's you don't raise your hand. But if I had people raise your hand, and you were honest, I have a feeling we'd have a lot of palms in the air right now. And I think that's true. Have you experienced this? Have you been through this? Are you in this? Are you suffering from this? Do you know exactly what it's like, and more and more and more and more? What we want to do tonight, um, if, is, if this describes you in any kind of way, I want you to know at least the truth right now, that you are not alone. You are not alone. And I think probably most of us in here know that. We know that you're not alone, but it's really, really difficult to feel like you're not alone. And I also want to say right now that if you've experienced this or you are experiencing this, experiencing these kinds of things on any kind of level, it is not in any way a reflection on the quality of your faith or your relationship in God. All right? I want to put both of those things on the table right now. You're not alone, and it does not describe the quality of Christian that you are on any kind of level, right? Let's put those things out there right now, and let's work with that. Now, what I want to do with a lot of our time uh, tonight um, is we want to talk with somebody, somebody who knows a lot about this, um, and that we we can... who can be here to share wisdom with us, especially as we, uh, we deal with these kinds of things, um, which is depression. We're describing depression, right? Depression and anxiety. And we know the epidemic that that is, especially in this campus, right? I mean, it's an epidemic in the world, but it's especially true in, on this campus, and we see that, um, we experience that. We can't deny the reality of that. Um, And so tonight, um, Amanda Campbell is going to be with us. So Amanda, if you'll uh, come join us up here. Um, We're just going to have a conversation. And you're thinking, well, why are we talking with Amanda? Who is Amanda? Well, Amanda, why don't you talk about yourself with us? Yes, okay. can we hear? Can you hear me? Okay. Um, I am a licensed professional
1: counselor, and um, that means that I have a master's degree in clinical psychology. I did my undergraduate and my graduate work at Abilene Christian University. Um, so, and, and I'm licensed by the state of Ooh. Texas to do counseling. You have to have a license in Texas to be a counselor. Okay. And. Um, So if you were to go to see a counselor, you might see an LMFT, which is a licensed marriage family therapist or a licensed clinical social worker. So all three of those people have master's and license to counsel. A psychologist is someone that has a PhD in psychology, and then a psychiatrist has an MD. And a psychiatrist is the person that can prescribe medication for mental illness, but most doctors do that as well.
0: So we're focusing on depression tonight. And so Amanda, uh, we'd like you to talk um, about depression. How prevalent is depression, and why do people experience
1: it? Okay. Um, Depression is actually the very most common health concern of college students. Not the most common mental health concern, but the most common health concern overall. So it's very, very prevalent. Um, And it's... It's that way because college is a time of change: new city, new friends, new roommates. Um, there are stress from academics, social things. You don't sleep as much. You don't eat as regularly, and so that's kind of a culmination for why sometimes depression rears its head at this time in your life, um, and. Depression has a strong genetic component. So a lot of people struggle with depression because they inherit it from their family and they're dealing with chemical imbalances in their body. Other people um, struggle with depression because of major changes, um, dramatic loss, ends of relationships, loss of loved ones, traumatic experiences, all of those kinds of things. Um, I also wanted to say, um, just so that we know what we're talking about, I want to just... Describe depression for a second, what the um, symptoms are. Uh, to be clinically depressed, you have to either experience a, um, a lack of enjoyment in pleasurable activities or a depressed mood for at least almost every day for about two weeks. And then there are other symptoms that go along with that. And this is a, would be a, um, a difference in what your daily functioning would be. But your, um, so that would be a persistent, sad, anxious, or empty mood feelings of hopelessness or pessimism, feelings of guilt, worthlessness, or helplessness, loss of interest or pleasure in hobbies or things that you used to enjoy before, decreased energy, fatigue, feeling slowed down, like you're kind of walking through very thick mud, Um, difficulty concentrating, remembering things, making decisions, Difficulty sleeping, so you can't get to sleep, or you wake up early, or you wake up multiple times during the night. Um, Appetite changes, so either losing weight, gaining weight, Um, thoughts of death or suicide, restlessness, irritability, or physical symptoms, lots of achiness, headaches all the time. Um, So a lot of us may feel one or two of these things every now and then, but you need to start paying attention when you're feeling these things more often than not and it's really starting to affect your life. You're not going to things like you used to do, you're not going to classes, your grades are decreasing. That's when you're really starting to deal with depressive symptoms.
0: Let's talk um, spirituality just for a minute. Um, With this question of uh, if, if the spirit is supposed to produce joy in us, And we are people who believe in that. Uh, Why do we experience depression?
1: I think that's a good question. And it reminds me of the question, why do bad things happen to good people? Um, And what we need to understand is that a big part of depression is a physical illness. So that means that biochemically, your neurotransmitters and your hormones are out of whack. And, And that's the body that you're dealing with. The Holy Spirit doesn't prevent us from getting the flu or diabetes, and the Holy Spirit doesn't prevent us from getting depression. Depressed people aren't bad Christians. They've got a body, and their, their body chemicals have gotten out of whack. That being said, in addition to that, God gives us free will, so we can fill our minds and our thoughts with what we choose. And so if we have heard lots of negative things about ourselves, if we're around critical people, we think about ourselves critically, we can become depressed and have a depressed mood
0: what steps do you recommend uh, for somebody who is experiencing depression
1: it's important to talk to somebody that you trust Um, seek out counseling talk to your doctor do people that become very depressed are not using the logical part of their brain anymore? And so if you are starting to think about, oh man, it would be better if I was dead, or it would be a lot easier if I wasn't here, or if you've got friends that are starting to say things like that, and you're maybe they're sort of saying goodbye, it's really important at that, at that point to talk to somebody about it and to get help. Don't let that go. If you're thinking about hurting yourself or you really are worried about someone else, that is the time to get help is now. Because like I said, once you get very depressed, it's hard to think logically. And um, and so you need help to do that. Uh, in addition to that, if you're feeling slightly depressed or you think, I'm starting to get more depressed, there are some things that you can incorporate into your daily life to make sure or to help manage your mood a little bit are everyone's mood goes up and down, that's just normal. But people with severe depression, their mood goes way down. And then you've heard people with bipolar disorder, their mood goes way up. And so we all are going to have a gradual thing. And if you find your mood going really down, that's when you really need to start getting help. Um, But other things that you can do, um, exercise, any kind of exercise, walking, just moving your body, sweating a little bit helps. Research has shown that being outside and around nature is good and bringing nature inside. So put a plant on your desk or, you know, bring some green things into your dorm room or your apartment because that can really help level out your mood. Um, Hanging out with friends is important. People start to feel depressed. They isolate themselves, and they don't want to go out. What they really should do is they should go out and be with people. So you may have to force yourself. If you've got a friend you're worried about, go over there. Pick them up invite them along you'll be happier that you did at the end it's good to get out and be around people um, also I have to say that um, drugs and alcohol really do affect depression um, marijuana and alcohol are both depressants and so if you've got some mood instability alcohol and marijuana will depress your mood even greater and it will compound the problem. So psychology really suggests minimizing or completely eliminating alcohol um, for the sake of mood stability. And that goes for other drugs as well, but especially alcohol. Um, And then if you're starting to feel overwhelmed, like I've got so much to do, I can't do anything, I think I'll lay in bed all day break big tasks up into small tasks and just do one little thing and then you've got a success and a check mark and that may increase your confidence and so break big things into little things get several things done at a time and that can really help the feelings of being overwhelmed
0: uh, let's expand on uh, this question uh, I know somebody who I I think might be depressed or experiencing depression. What are some things that I can do for that person?
1: Um, Checking in with that person, being there for that person. You don't need to offer lots of advice, but uh, just going to where they are, having them come out, meet you for coffee, hang out, go for a walk, just asking how they are, if if they want to talk to you about their feelings or if they just sort of want to unload listen and let them know you can say I don't have answers for this but what you're going through sounds really hard I wonder if we should find someone for you to talk to Um, and then if they do say things about "I, I just I wish I wasn't here sometimes or I mean I just feel like driving my car into a tree at that point then you say let's find someone together to talk to a lot of the universities and I'm sure this university has a counseling center um, and those people are, uh, are available fairly frequently. If, if you need somebody, you can find somebody.
0: Talk about why you believe counseling is important, professional
1: counseling. So depression and anxiety um, and a lot of mental health issues reside in the mind. And so, uh, so much of it is what we tell ourselves. When something happens and we start to feel really down, and then we start to run these tapes in our mind of, well, this has just happened because I'm just not very smart, or I'm just worthless, and what's the point? There is no point, and I should have never come here, I should have never been doing these things, and a counselor can help you figure out what it is that you're telling yourself that's causing you the biggest problems, and then help you replace those thoughts with uh, more healthy thoughts, so that your thoughts aren't dragging you down. If you've got chemical imbalance to go along with that. You may need medication, but a counselor can kind of help you figure out what's going on and how much help that you need and then help you manage your emotions so that you can, you're going to deal with emotions your whole life. And it's important to learn how to manage those and have somebody help you walk through that.
0: Talk about faith based counseling as opposed to other kinds.
1: Okay. Um, so, ethically, counselors cannot bring faith into the treatment without the um, clients asking. So, if you're going to see a counselor, sh- that person's not a, a Christian, they don't under the name Christian counselor, um, then they can't, they won't ask usually about your faith and won't bring that in unless you say, I'm a Christian. I'd like to incorporate that into um, my strengths and my treatment plan. And so if you do see somebody and you want that to be a part, let them know that because that opens the door for them. Um, But what a Christian counselor can do is let you know that through the power of prayer and through asking your Heavenly Father to help you make these changes that you have a a lot of Power and strength there that I believe you don't have when you don't seek God's word and his community in, in, your, um, in your struggle through this. God gave us each other, and um, I believe that he gave us Christian counselors to help us through these things. And I think that um, that's a, a really powerful way to access God's power is um, through seeing a Christian counselor.
0: Thank you, Amanda. Let's give her a big uh, round of applause. Uh, Amanda's gonna be here tonight. If you'd like to uh, talk with her about uh, uh, anything regarding this or more resources um, or things that you can uh, pursue that uh, she knows about as a professional, um, then please talk to her tonight um, before you leave. what we want to do now is uh, hear from uh, somebody who has um, kind of in our community been uh, very, um, uh, very open um, about uh, his struggle with that, and uh, this is Kevin. Uh, let's say hey, Kevin. Hey, Kevin. Hey, Kevin. <laughs> um, Kevin's gonna talk to us uh, just for a few minutes about this.
2: So I definitely thought that I was going to come up here and do like a like a cold read, like this is, hi, I'm Kevin, and like an A&A meeting, but no, that would not fit the tone that we're going for, I don't think. Um, okay. Can y'all hear me? Am I good? Thank you. All right. Hey, y'all. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know me, my name is Kevin Latour. I'm a junior English student, and I've been coming to LFC for about two years. This past fall, I became a life group co-leader, first for the freshmen, and now this spring for the men's group. Carrie asked me to share some of my own experience with tonight's topic, since I've mentioned it before in public settings, usually on retreat. I don't personally enjoy drawing attention to myself by talking about this, but this is a conversation we really should have with each other. I have been prone to depression since I was 16. My mother struggles with depression, and so does my oldest brother. The first times that I experienced it, I felt more alone and burdened than I ever had before. Whenever I felt the mood coming over me, the world became much too big, I was suddenly always on the verge of tears, and a few times, I would look at speeding cars with a morbid curiosity about maybe jumping in front of one. Thankfully, I never did. This is not to say that I'm the most oppressed person I know, because I know many people, including some in LFC, whose burdens are much heavier than mine. Nor is all this to say that my family members failed me, nor that God failed me. In fact, my walk with God has only been strengthened by facing oppression every day. You see, facing the fact that I am emotionally imbalanced means that God can take a stronger guiding position in my life. I am defective. That's absolutely the harshest way to term depression, but depression is the harshest reality I know. And accepting that I quite literally cannot face my life by myself is the best way I have to draw closer to God. I get to have first-hand knowledge that I need God to love, guide, and renew me every day of my life. Anyone who has a burden like mine can also find this truth for themselves. Carrie kind of mentioned this, but sometimes we think that depression doesn't happen to good Christians or that a true follower of Christ will be level-headed and stronger than this. To that, I quote, Jesus wept. Jesus the Christ calls us to pick up our crosses daily and to follow him. Newsflash, depression is only another cross, which God will help you carry. A depressed person is still fearfully and wonderfully made, And Jesus still came that that person may have life and have it to the full. So I get to live with my depression. When I considered how I was going to describe it to you guys, I realized that it's a part of me. God designed me to face my depression, and so I wouldn't be the same without it. Of course, depression is still a struggle. It's still really awful most of the time. I'm still faced with terrifying questions. What will my depression look like 20 years from now? Or 30? I've actually never been to a funeral. I may have to go to one this year for a family member who I love a lot. What happens then? How bad will that be? In my experience, trusting God in your depression doesn't mean that the pain vanishes. You'll still feel it, and it may be difficult. But with God, you'll be secure, not lost inside your own head. He'll show you the blessings that he gives you. Here are some of mine. Thanks to depression, I find therapy in working out six days a week. Thanks to depression, I get to feel the strongest emotions that I can. Thanks to depression, I can better understand the despair and hopelessness of a world without God. Thanks to depression, I love to write poetry that praises the God who made me. All this is to say that depression is only like a black beret to me, or a black turtleneck. Not that I would wear those, (laughs) nor that depression makes me like a French person, nor that all French people are depressed, okay? (laughs) Don't misunderstand me, all right? All of this goes to say that depression is a fixture of my life, and that, by God's grace, I'm okay with that. It is well with my soul. So now is the time to stand up and be honest with each other. If we can't do it here, before God, in a place full of loving people, when can we? We will not reject you for being depressed. We won't reject you because God doesn't reject you. God created you, depression and all, and he saw that you are good. We are made in the image of the living God. We should accept our burden so that we can live like it. And now, let's all take communion with this on our minds.
0: Thank you, Kevin you know it's because of realities like this uh, that God and through Jesus Christ has done exactly what he has done he has been exactly who he has been and he has made us exactly who he has made us to be uh, the writer of hebrews uh, says it in these words that are uh, i want to i want you to sit on just right in this moment and he says that we do not have a high priest and in this context the high priest is jesus christ himself we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses I want to say that again for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses and what this means is that we have a God who is with us who is for us who is before us who is around us, who knows exactly what we are going through, who knows exactly where we are, who knows exactly these struggles that tear at our souls. And I think it's right. He wants us to know joy, He wants us to know hope in the Spirit. That is true. That remains true. And it's by being this and knowing this and understanding you in this way that God can and does lead us to the hope that he wants us to have. And that's how we get to experience that. It's not always the yay Jesus, right? It's Jesus before us, taking us through the valleys that we experience in our lives. He has offered himself to receive these struggles. And that's how we overcome By giving them to him, the one who has said, I will receive them. To know them, to bear them, to understand them, and to help you with them. To never define you by them. And part of the beauty of that is he's given us to each other as well. Because he draws us to be disciples. And we say disciples are what? Followers of Jesus. What? Followers, right? Followers. Ones who are, who are walking in the way of the one that we are going after. And so we're becoming like him. And so we become like that for each other as well. And that's the power of a family like this. And so what we do every week here is we partake in this time of communion. And this is a symbolic representation of taking the blood and the body of Christ into ourselves as a way of understanding and reminding ourselves that Christ is becoming that us and we are becoming Christ. And so we're going to do that tonight. In our, we have an extended time of worship over three songs. Um, And what we have tonight um, is that if this is a struggle for you, if this is something you say, this is me and I don't know what to do, you don't have to know what to do right now. But we have people um, around uh, the outside. Uh, Kevin and Natalie and Christy and Aubrey and David um, are going to be around uh, the perimeter here And if you need to talk with somebody during this time, if you just need somebody to pray with you about something, then these ones will offer to do that for you. If you know there's somebody near you that will do that, um, then ask that person or offer around you. But over this time of worship, uh, when, when, when God moves you, come to the table and know... That is Jesus that's receiving this from you, um, and anything that weighs on your heart. Uh, so we're going to go into this time. Um, don't You don't need to rush up to the tables right now. Um, just when God moves you uh, during this time of worship.